0: So we're gonna get started right away have a couple of things we have to cover uh, here's the question says if a demon says he will not come out and says you can't make me come out what do you do same thing you do with a child that says that <laughs> that's right <laughs> you the main thing he's trying to do is get you to, to draw you into a dialogue mm-hmm. so that he doesn't have to come out so the thing is you don't don't even acknowledge that part. You don't have to go back and go, oh, yes, you will. Oh, no, I won't. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, no, I won't. No, it's, <clears throat> don't get caught up in that, right? Uh, simply speak the word of God. Devil, it's written. I can cast you out. I just did. Bye. Simple as that, right? <clears throat> so don't let them bully you. Okay. <clears throat> Can a devil be cast out from a distance when the person not present physically? Yes. Yes, it can. Um, I can give you a bunch of different examples, both in the Bible, but also in um, our personal life, where we have prayed for people around the world, and at times it's sickness, at times it's devils. It, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. And that's the one thing I really want you to get out of this, uh, I want you to realize that you are put into a position of authority. And today is going to be that day that we really go into all this. Uh, we're going to be talking about kind of the things that bring it all together so that you can see exactly where you do stand. And so <clears throat> I want you to get that aspect that you are in a position of dominion, you're in a position of authority, that you are here representing God. Okay. Uh, don't think about yourself. Uh, you, you think about the fact that God... Is, has put you here to represent him, and therefore he backs you up. And so, get your mind off all the other stuff. The devil will try to remind you of every failure you've ever had. He'll try to convince you that uh, you know you're not worthy to operate in power. Um, you know all that stuff. He will try to bring all that up. Don't fall for it. Right? Know your position. That's why we, we emphasize. Uh, Even in all of our teaching, it comes back to that, and we're constantly emphasizing this because we want you to get it, right? Once you get that, once you realize, let me put it this way. If you were, let's say you own your home, or or even if you leased it, but it's yours, it's by right, it's yours. You have access to it. You have authority over it. Uh, If somebody walked up to your door and said, okay, uh, I'm going to move in here with you. Okay, how would you react? I mean, you're going to look at him like, you're an idiot, right? Because no, you're not, right? I don't know why you would think that because you're not going to do it. And if that person tried to say, oh, yeah, I can. I've got to because, uh, you know, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm whatever it is, right? Uh, Doesn't matter, right? Why? Because you have right. You have authority to say that and you have the authority to back it up with whatever means you find necessary that's who we are that's who we are in this world we are here with authority this is our world God gave it to us and he expects us to take care of it and how well we take care of it how well we do our job will determine our rewards some will say well I don't care about rewards well then that's good care about people and set them free right it's, you know you don't have to keep rewards in the back of your mind I don't think about it that way But you have to realize you are here with a responsibility. You have a duty to do and you should do it. It's that simple. So anything that's not right, you have the right to fix. Simple as that. And you say, well, uh, you know, I don't know if God gave me that right or this. Well, then you need to get in the Bible and find out what he said and then do what he said. It's real simple. He he has never. Okay, how many of you know that it's the right and responsibility of every Christian to preach the gospel? In some form. Now, I don't mean always behind a pulpit. It could be witnessing one on one. It could be talking to your server at a restaurant. But regardless, you should be sharing the gospel. Everybody believe that? Yes. Okay. Jesus never commissioned anybody to preach the gospel in any form without also giving them the authority over sicknesses and over demons. Not one time. Right? So, if he gave you the right to share the gospel, he also gave you the responsibility and right and authority to overcome any obstacle of any person experiencing the benefits of the gospel, right? And the benefits of the gospel are simple. It's freedom. It means you don't have to be sick. It means you don't have to be uh, demon-possessed. It means you don't have to have uh, besetting sins. It means you don't have to have habits and addictions and all, all that stuff. God wants you free, Right? So if God is not going to dictate and overrule your will to make you serve him, then he sure doesn't want anything else dictating over your will. He wants you free to choose what you desire to do. Amen? Isn't it simple? It's just that simple. Now, again, this goes back to something that in the military we call commander's intent. If you don't have a clear order, then you go back to commander's intent. What did he send us here to do? You go back to that. Once you go back to that, it gets real simple. So, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. We're going to get in the manual here in a little bit. but And, and we're actually doing pretty good. I was, uh, again, surprised yesterday. We kept kind of on target there, so we're doing good. We will finish up today. We're going to look at a couple of things. Uh, starting this morning, uh, Acts chapter 3. I just want to show you some of what we've been talking about. And let me ask you, how many of you are saved? You got born again, Jesus lives in you, whatever, however you want to say it, all right? But you know you're right with God now. Okay, good. All right. Now, how did you get saved? Faith, faith exactly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the, the Bible says that we are saved, you know, by grace or through, through, by faith through grace. So we are saved, right? It is by grace. It is by faith, right? Uh, what, what else is involved in getting saved? Believing, Jesus, confessing, yeah. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, isn't that right? And you shall be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So all these things that talk about the name of Jesus and he says that that that, that name, and we know that that name is a name above every name. Isn't that right? And that at that name, everything that has a name has to bow its knee, right? Right. And so now uh, basically you agree that you have that name and that that's how you were saved. Right. And so you have the use of that name because he said, go in my name and in my name do these things. So uh, we know that we have the use. We can use that name. Right. All right. Then let's look at Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three, verse one. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. To ask alms of them that entered into the temple, now stop right there now, notice in this first verse where where are they going Church. to the temple, right to do what pray. to pray, so what does that tell us they weren't, prayed yet. they weren't prayed up exactly they didn't they weren't all prayed up. they saw the need to pray right they they recognized the need to go pray, okay, so just trying to make sure you know where they were at when all this started, okay, and then of course, they come by this man who was laid at the beautiful gate of the temple, and he was asking alms. Now, alms is a donation. It's money, right? Uh, and, and he was smart, uh, you know, right, sitting right out in front of the temple gate. That's a pretty good place to sit. People are generally more generous uh, just for they going to church because they think everybody else will see them. So they tend to give more right at the front door of the church. So he was uh, pretty smart there. Uh, but now notice he wasn't looking for anything but money, right? All right. Verse three, Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. So he asked them for money. Isn't that right? It doesn't say he asked for healing or anything else. He asked for money. Now, uh, one of the things I like about this chapter is that in just the first half of this chapter, pretty much every doctrine that the church has built up about healing is totally destroyed. I mean, just totally destroyed. And it's in the first half. So let's, let's go ahead and read some of these things. Now he says, "Who seeing in verse three, who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asking all. So now they're asking for money. And in verse four, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Okay, and now as we go through this, show, I'm going to point out uh, the, the, the mistakes that Peter and John made, because they made several, right? And the first one, of course, is right here, because everybody that's been in church any amount of time, we know that if we're going to pray for anybody or talk to anybody or witness, We don't start with, here, look at me. Isn't that right? Well, what do we say? Well, you got to look to Jesus. Isn't that right? And yet, Peter didn't say that. And the funny thing is, his theology works and the the theology of the church doesn't. So maybe he has something. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, You know, I always tell everybody, you know, poor Peter, he didn't have the benefit of seminary and all that. I mean, you know, he was really kind of deprived only having been with Jesus three years. Anyway, all right. Now, let's look at this. Verse 5. And he gave heed unto them, <clears throat> expecting to receive something of them. So then what was he asking? Money. money. And he expected to receive something, right? What was he expecting? Money. So there is no sign, no indication that this man had faith for healing. None whatsoever, right? He wanted money. He was asking for money. That's what he was expecting to get. <clears throat> In verse 6. Then Peter said... Silver and gold have I none. And all I say that proves he was Pentecostal <clears throat> right there. But <clears throat> actually, it isn't totally true because right after this, they had money piled up at their feet. So that's kind of it's kind of the difference between the old Pentecostal and the new Pentecostal that you see. So anyway, so <clears throat> then he said, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have or what I do have, I give thee. Now, there's strike number two. I mean, come on, you don't just walk over here. I give this to you. I mean, if we're going to do it the way the church is generally trained, we should walk up and say, let's pray and see what Jesus will do. Isn't that right? And the funny thing is, when you pray that way, Jesus doesn't do anything. Yeah. Right? And then you walk off saying, well, it must, must not be his will. It must be something else. Right? But the funny thing is, with Peter and them, it worked. Notice he says, well, I don't have money to give you, but I do have something that I can give you. Right? He had no doubt that he could give what he had. You got that? <clears throat> then he says, now watch what he gives him. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, do you see, now remember, they're on their way to pray. Hadn't even prayed yet. And here, here he's not even praying <clears throat> when he's getting his man healed. He doesn't even pray. He gives a command. He speaks a word of command. He tells him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he tells him, now apparently, the man didn't move quick enough, right? Because <clears throat> he says in verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. So he tells this man to get up, and then his, apparently the man didn't move quick enough. So he grabs him and lifts him up, right? Pulls him up. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now, notice, he was not healed until Peter lifted him. Peter didn't just sow the word. Peter sowed the word and then he had actions to back it up. He said, rise and walk. And then he helped the man get up because he assumed the man could walk as soon as he said it. Right. And he gave him what he had. What did he have in the name? He had that name. He had the power of God. We know this is after Acts chapter two. So we know the, the, the Holy Spirit had already descended upon him. And the scripture says that you shall receive power, ability after that. The Holy Ghost will come upon you. Peter believed that he actually had what the Bible said he had and acted like it. Now, notice this is step by step. Now, there is a a local Bible school here in town that if you go get their healing manual, uh, it it tells you uh, do not. Literally, I can show it to you. I got it in my office. It says, do not expect a miracle. That's what it says. Do not expect a miracle. It says, just sow the word and let the word work. Do not help a person out of a wheelchair. Do not help a person off of their sick bed. Do not make any movement toward them. And then it gives reasons why. Legalities. They don't want to get sued. Right. That is not Bible. Matter of fact, that whole Bible school was birthed signs and wonders in the Voice of Healing movement, and where everybody in the Voice of Healing movement grabbed people, jerked them out of wheelchairs, took them up off stretchers, did everything, and because now they're more concerned about legalities, now they're afraid to do these things. Let me tell you, the first thing you have to get rid of if you're going to walk in any type of power, you have to get rid of fear, and the best way to do that is jump in the middle of it. Whatever you find you're afraid of, go do it whatever it is that you, you kind of want to draw back from, just grit your teeth and do it, right? Well, I don't want to step up and talk to them. Then do it. That's what you got to do to break that thing in you. Get bold. The one thing <clears throat> after Pentecost that they prayed about <clears throat> and prayed for, they said, Lord, stretch forth your hand that with all boldness, we may speak. All right? So we need boldness to speak. Now, boldness, and people, I've had people come to me and say, would you pray that I have that boldness? No, not really. Okay, boldness does not come really from prayer. Technically, you say what they prayed for. Yeah. But what they were praying for is that God would do signs and wonders. But notice they had to actually go do stuff for the signs and wonders to work. Boldness comes from you knowing that you know what you know. If I was to ask you your name and you told me your name and you said your name was Bill and I said, well, your name ain't Bill. Your your, your name is Bob. You're going to look at me like I'm stupid because it would be stupid for me to tell you that. And I said, and you said, no, no, my name is Bill. No, your name is not Bill. Your name is Bob. Then at first, it's going to be kind of funny and you're going to kind of laugh it off because you're not going to know what's going on. You're going to, yeah, okay, that's right. no, seriously, my name is Bill. No, no, it's Bob. And after a bit, you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, look, I'm not going to argue with you. Look, here's my driver's eye. I can show you who I am, right? I can, I'm not going to argue with you. This is ridiculous. Why? Why are you so adamant about it? Because you're sure. You don't go, well, I kn- Let me check my watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's Bill right here. <clears throat> Actually, if you showed it to me, it wouldn't even say Bill, it'd say William. <laughs> okay, so, do you see? So you're not even sure of your name, but you're sure of it, right? <clears throat> but do you understand what I'm saying? Boldness comes from knowing that you know. It comes from being sure. It comes from having no doubt. This is the way it is. And when you're as sure that Jesus wants to use you to heal the sick as you are with your own name, guess what? You'll be bold. And how do you get sure? You get in the word. You find out what the word says. You saturate yourself with it and you cut out stuff, anything that would hurt your faith. Uh, several years ago I was traveling a lot and well I'm still traveling a lot but when I was traveling at that time uh, there was a when I'd come home sometimes it seemed like there's certain days I always leave on certain days I always get back on it just kind of works out that way and when I got back there was always a show on and I I sat down one time just to relax and started watching it and I kind of liked the guy's attitude and actually there's a couple of shows like that that I liked his attitude and So I kind of watched it and started watching it. And I'll tell you the the two shows that I would watch at that time regularly. Uh, One was NCIS, because I just kind of liked Jethro Gibbs and his attitude toward things, right? And then the second one was a a show called House. uh, It was about a doctor and I liked his attitude because he was so out of the box thinking. Now, I don't like his atheistic attitude, but um, his attitude was very direct and out of the box and that kind of stuff. So I, I watched it for a little while. And one night I was sitting there and I was watching House. And God spoke to me as clear as anything. He said, if you keep watching this, you're going to hurt your faith. And so I didn't, I didn't go, well, well, why? hang on for the commercial. I'll ask you why. No, I reached for the remote. I turned it off. And then I said, why? Now I'd already turned it off. So I was going to obey. That wasn't a question. But then I want to know, how, how is it going to hurt my faith? And he answered and said, because they always come up with a natural solution. And it will make you start thinking when people talk to you, you'll start thinking the natural solution. Oh, well, this must be from this. This must be from that. Are there natural solutions? Absolutely. There are some for some things, but there comes a point where the natural solutions won't work. Right. There comes a point where your money can't buy your health. Right. If your money could buy your health, Steve Jobs would be alive today. Right. Because he had the money. But he didn't have what he needed to get healed. Now, I actually went out there. We were out in California. I went and stopped by. This is before he passed, and I stopped by um, whatever that is out there—the Apple headquarters there—and because uh, I was ministering in outside of San Francisco, and actually tried to set up an appointment just to speak with him, just so I could pray for him. And, and honestly, at that point, he was already not in the office, but uh, we never got a chance to meet with him. Never got a chance to to speak with him. Uh, there was a point where Steve Hill called us for prayer and said, you know, because we knew him from before. And uh, we said, okay, so we were going to go out there. And he'd asked me to speak at his Bible school. And uh, so I was going to go out there and minister to him. And by the time we got there, he wasn't at the, the church. He'd actually gone down to MD Anderson and was down there. And we, from then on, we could not get to him. His, the people in his church formed a barrier and would not let us get to him. We've seen this over and over and over again different people, uh, different th- situations like that. So there, there comes a point where you have to realize that the natural things won't help. But, you know, I, let me just give you an example. Most people that, that have just a basic headache, okay, you don't have to cast anything out. Really, all you need to do is go drink some water. Generally, if you drink enough water, the headache will go away. And most headaches are caused by lack of water. Just little things like that. It's not a, you know, I'm not making that some, you know, supernatural thing. It's just the way our bodies are, Right. And so there are some natural remedies, but that's not divine healing. And the problem is when people get into the natural side of it that far, usually they end up moving away from the divine part of it and they end up totally relying on the natural stuff. That's why most healing ministries today, most of their teaching goes back to nutrition, diet, exercise, and it becomes more preventive than actual divine healing. And that's what I started seeing more and more. And so we just really kind of locked down against that. Now, I, I believe in exercise. I believe in, uh, you know, a good diet or at least with supplementation, that kind of stuff. Because it's hard to just get eat good food because even most of the food you eat doesn't have the nutrition that you need. And so you almost have to do some type of supplementation. But even that, you have to find out what, what kind and how and, you know, things like that. So there's a lot to it. Now, we believe in it. But at the same time, that's not the answer because that doesn't cure everything. Right. There are people that jog and eat, you know, salads and all that kind of stuff and do everything just right and still drop dead jogging. Right. And it's amazing to me because everybody keeps telling me I ought to eat vegetables. Uh, They end up in my healing lines. I'm like, well, when it works for you, then I might take (laughs) some notice of it. But so far, you're still in my healing line. You're eating you're eating the rabbit food and I'm not. You know, so. So anyway, you know, people say, well, you already eat more vegetables. Well, I eat animals and they eat vegetables so I'm getting it in a roundabout way, right so, that's, <laughs> <okay>. so, <laughs> so anyway <clears throat> I'm trying to get you back to this point I want you to realize that the, the <clears throat> what they're doing here what Peter is doing here is he is moving he's moving into boldness he's moving out he's stepping out he didn't just stand back and say okay we're going to pray he actually did something and when he grabbed this man now what when you grab a hold of somebody what are you doing laying hands on them ain't that right and now notice he didn't walk up and put his hand on his head and like we do it today a lot of times. He actually walked up and grabbed his hand. As a matter of fact, when I started studying every healing in the New Testament, I started realizing every time it mentions them laying on of hands and tell actually what they did, they always took him by the right hand. Every time. It never says they laid their hand on them or didn't. It always says they took him by the right hand. Every time. Uh, or, or at least took him by the hand. Put it that way. And so part of what we do. Now, whenever you watch me minister, that's what I do. I just hold my hands out, take them by the hands. I don't have to put my hand on their head uh, because there's been so much stuff where people put their hands on them and they push them down or you know, they do all the stuff like that. And I saw that and I said, you know, I don't, I don't even want people to think we do that. And so I just quit, not to mention the fact that most people I pray for are taller than I am. So the whole time I'm there, I'm like this. You know? And at the end of the day, next, usually when we do a healing service on Saturday, when I wake up on Sunday, my whole shoulder's like, oh man, I just... Just from holding it up like this all the time. Right. And so I just realized, you know, what? this is a whole lot more comfortable. Right. I can do this all day long. Right. And so we just learn to take hands. And, and we're not if you if you take somebody by the hands, there's no chance of you actually pushing them down without it looking I mean, really obvious. OK. And so we just we're against anything. Look, it's either got to be God or it's not. Right. If it's not God, don't do it. I mean, just let it be God. And if God knocks him down, wonderful. And if he doesn't, so what? Honestly, I like it when people stay standing. I really don't care for when people fall, you know, because the first thing they do when they fall, uh, the first thing they do is they try to make sure they're lying there appropriate and they don't know what to do with their hands, you know, and they're so thinking that they're not letting God really work in them, you know, and then somebody has to bring a drop cloth or, you know, whatever it is you want to call it or and put it over them and that kind of stuff. And there's all these things that go along with it. And whenever you're laying down, you take up a whole lot more space than if you're just standing, right? So it's just all kinds of stuff. And if you're in a crowd, you can't even fall. You'll fall on somebody and just kind of stand there and they're holding you up, right? So there's just all kinds of stuff. And again, if it's God and you fall and we don't have catchers, you won't get hurt if it's God. And if you get hurt, then you were faking it. And if you're faking it, you ought to get hurt. Amen. Amen. So, that way, you know, but it 's amazing when you don't have catchers, how many people don 't fall? you know i 've actually seen people go <laughs> <laughs> you know because there was a catcher there, right think, well, let's just, if, listen, if we don't police ourselves, then the world's going to police us, exactly. right let's just do things right, and when you lay hands on people, you don't have to lay hands on the afflicted part, right you don't have to do that. Just take them by the hand. The power of God can flow through you, out, through you, in through them, and everything you don't have to lay hands on the afflicted part, right? And people try to, you know, well, it's my knee. Okay, well, let me put your hands on my hands and your knee. No, we've, we've, when we first started, we had some people. There was a friend of ours, actually, he was one of our representatives, that uh, <clears throat> we had a prayer request and a lady had cancer. And so we sent the request to him and he, he would go to visit the people we would send the request for. And so he went to visit this lady. And about like two weeks later, I got this report back and I'm reading the report. And that's why we get reports is so I know what's going on. And he said, I went to pray for this person, this lady, and she had breast cancer. And so I gently and tenderly laid my hand upon her breast. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, good Lord, lawsuit. There's going to be a lawsuit here. Well, they got married shortly after that. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess it all worked out. All right. But. <laughs> But you don't have to lay your hand on the afflicted part. That's all I'm saying. God's power can travel the distance and fix the, the, the problem. All right. So let's just do things right. Let's just do things. And let, let's stop the enemy from having things to say about us. Amen. And it's just, let's just let God work and let him heal people. And let's just rejoice in what he does. Amen. So let's get back into Acts 3 here. I'm going to have to move here a little bit. He says <clears throat> he took him by the right hand and, and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering... And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us? Now, wait a minute. He just told this guy a minute ago, look on us. And now he says, why are you looking at us? Well, because there was a difference in purpose, right? Here he said, why, are you, why, why do you think this is strange? Why do you think this is amazing? He said, why do you look at us? Now, watch what he says. <clears throat> and, or why look ye so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness, we had made this man to walk. Now, that right there, that statement kills most of the healing teaching that's out there. Why do you look at us as if we are specially anointed? We have this special gift. We have this this power. That it's our that is coming from us. Or how do you why are you looking at us as though that we lived so holy that we can do this? Well, that's ninety percent of all the healing teaching, right there. That that he was saying, we haven't lived so holy. Look at look at Peter and their, their life; they hadn't lived so holy. He, he denied Christ, and so he was saying, look, don't don't look at us as though we did this thing by some special power. We lived holy enough, or we lived good enough, or something that we're so specially anointed, or or even well, we're apostles. So, of course, this works just because, you know, whenever you take on the mantle of an apostle, whenever you put on the apostle pin, it says, Apostle so-and-so, that when you put that pin on, all of a sudden you become energized and you have power. <laughs> Being an apostle doesn't give you power. I don't care if you are an apostle, you still got to believe. Right? You still have to believe. It doesn't matter. Right? Now, as an apostle, you should have signs verifying that you're an apostle. Right? But it's not a matter of, well, I'm going to step in and be an apostle when I do. The, the, the power of an apostle is there waiting for me. No, you got to believe. you still got to believe every time. It, it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And you're not going to be an apostle or a prophet or a vent or anything else and not walk in faith and please God. Right. So <clears throat> notice what he says. Now, he's talking to these guys. They're, they're looking at him. And he just says, he just said, look, it wasn't by our own special gift or our own holiness that we made this man to walk. Then he takes his chance to start preaching and notice how his preaching takes a jab at him. He says the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Now watch. Now now he tells us how he did it. And his name, the name of Jesus, through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now the first hymn there is Jesus. The second hymn is the man. Right now, the reason is because this man had no faith for anything but money and it wasn't paying off because he was still begging. Right. So even his faith for money wasn't working. And he had no faith for healing. And here Peter says, you want to know, why do you look at us as if we did this by some, you know, but this because we're apostles or because we're super holy or anything else? He said, no, let me tell you how this was done. This was done by the name of Jesus and faith in that name. Well, who had faith in the name of Jesus? Peter did. He said, what I've got, I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. He had the name and he had faith in the name and he used that <clears throat> to raise this man from, from being lame. Right? Now, let me ask you, or let me put it this way. We can say whatever we want, but honestly, whenever you ask a man who does something how he did it and he tells you how he did it, you can't add to that. Amen. You, know, you can't change it and say, well, Peter didn't know how he did it, let me tell you, it was really the anointing. It was really this. No, Peter said it was the name of Jesus and faith in that name. Right? He didn't say it was an anointing. He didn't say anything else. He said that that name and faith in that name is what made that man whole. Amen? Now, again, I'm going to ask you one more time. How did you get saved? Wasn't it the name of Jesus? Wasn't it faith in that name? So if you're saved then you're telling me that, you, that you're, you're saying you have what Peter said he had that raised this lame man. Isn't that right? You say, well, what else did he have? Well, we know he got uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know we saw that in Acts chapter 2. We know he had, he said that after in Acts 1.8, it says, after that you will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we know he had this power resident within him and he was able to give it out. Right, But he was saved By the name of Jesus. We know that by the name of Jesus, everything that has a name has to bow its knee. We know that that name was given to him and it was an exalted name and he was exalted because of it. So we know that it's that name. Everything is that name. If you go through all of Acts, you will see reference to the name over and over and over. What they did, they did in the name. Jesus said, in my name, you will do these things. Right. And so. The whole point that I want to bring out in this chapter here is just simply this. What Peter said he had that healed the lame man, you have. So if you didn't have anything else, if this was the only thing you heard, if you came in here on Thursday, we set you down in the first session, I read this to you and I said, there you go. Now, go do it because you got it, right? You could do it, right? right? And you say, well, why did you wait till today to tell us? (laughs) That's exactly why I waited till today. Because that, that way you had to come back every day. <laughs> that way we get more into you. Say, why do you say, why do we need to know all this stuff? <clears throat> Listen, here's what you have to know. You have to know that healing was provided in the atonement. If it was provided, then there is never a reason why a person shouldn't be healed. Right? You have to know <clears throat> that he has, that God wants you to minister healing to people. So we have to show you from Matthew 28 and Mark 16, Uh, that you are to go into all the world and you're to do these things and knowing that he that you have that name to use and all of these other things. Why do we teach this? Because honestly, we could easily just bring you in here on Thursday morning, teach you just a real quick session, show you how to do these things and say, okay, now we're all going to go out on the street and do them and you would get it and you could go home. He said, then why the three days? Because here's what we saw happening. If we don't give you this other stuff, and and there are lots of people that you'll go to their meetings and they'll, I mean, right away, they'll teach you how to do stuff and get you doing it. And that's wonderful. The problem is when you leave, because you'll go home and here's what happens. The enemy says, oh, they are equipped. They know they can do this. So now we have to start hitting them with doubt. And he starts throwing all these things at you. Well, well, what if it's not God's will? Well, what if it's sin? What if it's a generational curse? And that's why we have to go through all of these things to remove them so that after you leave, the enemy can't throw up something at you and you go, oh yeah, what about that? Something that will kind of throw you for a loop, as I say. We want to equip you ahead of time so when the enemy throws it up, you go, no, that doesn't work anymore. Why? That's already been disproven. Nope, you got to go. You see? And so that's why we take three days to do this. Honestly, we could take you know, a week, two weeks and just saturate you in this and keep saying, because really all I do is I keep saying the same thing a, a thousand different ways. And but every way ends up at the same place. Yep. Right. And I just show you. So no matter how you look at it, this is where it ends up. And then we take all of these doctrines, these traditions of men that make the, the word of God of none effect and we destroy them. And that way, whenever you, when they come up at you, you will already have an answer. Our job is to equip, not just to get you to do it. And that's been the problem. We got people out on the streets that do the stuff, videotape it, put it up, build a name for themselves. And yet they're not discipling people to Christ. They, are, they may be discipling them to them, but not to Christ. And the whole point that we're trying to do is trying to get you discipled to Christ to realize what he has provided and how it works. And to make sure that all the, the, the tactics of the enemy that we shortcut those that we are, you know, we short circuit them, I should say. And so that immediately, whenever those things come up, you've already got an answer. And that way the enemy, you, don't, you never break stride. You keep on moving forward and you already have the answer. And you don't you don't even have to to give it a thought because we don't want you to get out there and then start to doubt or, or, you know, begin to waver. We want you to leave strong. We want you to leave knowing that this works, that it's the truth, that it's the word of God and that no matter what the enemy throws at you, you just keep on going. That's why we take three days through this. It's a three day saturation. And in the beginning, people would always ask us, is there going to be an impartation line at the end? The best impartation you can get is hearing this for three days straight. That's the best impartation. Amen. And so that's why we do what we do the way we do it. Now. So let's look at this. I want to take you to one more. What do I want to do? Yep. Um, Yeah. Go with me. Yeah, yeah, we can do this. Go with me to Romans 8. We were there yesterday and I was going to get there, but I knew it would take a little bit. <clears throat> and I just want to show you this one thing. Years ago, I w- we were in um, Georgia and I was, had gone out on a trip and we were actually living there in a little town outside of Atlanta called Dallas, Georgia. We moved from Dallas, Texas to Dallas, Georgia. And we actually planted a work there and I would go out from there and travel. And when I came back in, and a lot of times when I'm gone, I'll be gone two or three weeks at a time. And so when I come in, it's constant travel, constant going. And pretty much from morning to night, I'm I'm meeting with people, talking with people, teaching, doing something. So whenever I get done and I head home, when I get home, I want peace and quiet. And so I'll sit and I'll read, I'll study. And it's just a time just to kind of rest and relax a bit. And so I'd come in and I remember like it was the Saturday, my first Saturday back home. And all I want to do is stay home and read. But my wife said we need. I need to go over to this mall area, and because they were going to take some clothes and exchange it or something, I don't know. But they said we need to go to the store, and I said I don't want to go. And she said, "Well, come on. You know we have not been here three weeks. Let's spend some time together." And I'm like, "Yeah, this isn't really spending time. Me watching you shop, okay? Because then I found out shopping, okay, shopping is hunting for women. Okay, shopping is to women what hunting is for men, right?" <laughs> Because men, see, when we go in to shop, we don't shop like women shop. See, women shop like we hunt, right? We will go through carefully looking for this, looking for that target. And that's what women do. They go through and they analyze everything. You know, the men, we're looking for footprints, you know, so we'll know where the animal went. And they're looking for the, ooh, look at this cell, look at that cell. And they'll go from one thing to the next. And so it's like hunting for women, right? And so men, we go in. We know what we're going after. We go in. For us, it is you go in, you do it, you get out, right? It's like a raid. You know, you just go in, he get it and leave. Right. Not with women. Women. It's an occupation. Right. (laughs) You you don't raid and leave. You move in and you stay there. okay? And and you occupy. okay? So. And I knew that was coming. And I always anywhere we go, I always take a book with me, especially used to. Now I can take my phone. I got books on my phone or my iPad or something. And so we're we went to this store and they were standing there in this line to trade in these clothes. And so I'm standing there and I realized at, at that time I didn't have a cell phone that had books and everything on it. I didn't have my iPad. And I'm standing there and I think, oh, man, I don't have a book. I want it because, you know, if, I, if I'm standing in line, I can stand there and read. And I hate to just waste time. And so I'm standing there and man, I want a book. I want there's a bookstore here. Maybe there's a bookstore in the mall. And I started thinking about it and we're standing in line and I'm aggravated and I'm like, man, I want a book. I want to go get a book. I'm like, I want to get a book. No, no, don't leave because if you go... Because when I go to a bookstore, that's me shopping. I mean, I'm there a while. Okay? And so she said, no, no, just, just wait here, wait here. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm standing there. I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not singing hallelujah or anything else. I'm not praying in tongues. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm standing there. I'm griping. I'm complaining. I'm murmuring, you know, doing all the stuff that caused God to open up the earth and swallow all the Israelites. That's what I was doing. I was like, I don't want to be here, God. I don't want to be here. I want to go do something. I want to go get a book. So I'm standing there and about that time I'm standing there and these, you know, as you're standing in line, people come in behind you, and you. You notice them, but you don't really analyze them, you know, generally. And so I'm standing there and there was a, a young girl that came in with her mom and it was a young girl and I think it was her mom and somebody else. And I'm standing there and about that time I feel right here on the side, which was kind of strange, about the size of my hand. It felt like someone had opened a water fountain and water was just going. And so it was going this direction. I'm standing there and I'm like. And I felt, because I'm not used to that. that. That, Especially then, that stuff didn't happen that often. So I'm looking over, and I, and I know where it's going. It's going to this young girl. And she's probably 16 years old, and she was standing there. She was leaning on her mom, and you could tell she was sick. And she was not feeling good. And she was standing there, and you could just tell it. And you say, well, did you go over and pray for her? No, I already told you. I was griping, complaining, murmuring. <laughs> I wasn't in the mood to pray for anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to read a book. And so, but I felt this. And so when I felt that... I know that's what, I know God is wanting to do something and that he's moving toward him. And so I'm at least smart enough to agree. You know, I'm not going to go over there, I'm not going to talk, but I'll agree. Be healed in Jesus' name. Whatever, whatever's wrong, be healed. Jesus' name. And like two or three minutes, literally it was really quick, less than five minutes. All of a sudden this girl kind of perked up and we could hear her because she was only like five people away from us. And she said, Mom, I feel good. I feel better. We can go do And they were going to do, do something else. We, we can do that now because I, I feel good. I feel good. And I'm like, oh, that's weird because, you know, this is not normal for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of like Mary. I pondered these things in my heart, you know, <laughs> I, you know, because I didn't want to walk over and go, we're here. Let me tell you what happened. I actually, <laughs> see, the power of God was going out. there. No, I, like I said, I wasn't in the mood for that. I didn't want to talk to anybody, but I, it just, I just lodged it in my mind. I thought, that's pretty cool. That's, I'd never experienced that before. So that's neat. So then we go home <clears throat> and then. A couple of days later, uh, I, back then I had this little television set that had the big, this was back during the VHS, right? Big, the big VHS tapes. And it had a little television with a VHS in it. So I would put that on my desk up above and I'd be working and I could put in a video and I'd have the video play, and I could hear it or watch it and I'd be working on my laptop. So I'm sitting there working on my laptop and these people had sent me a video of a healing crusade, a healing meeting uh, from Africa that had happened a year ago. So it was an old video. Everything on it had already happened. And so I am there and I'm, I put the video in and I, at first it's up loud. and Then I start working. So I turn the volume down so I can't even hear it, but it's just playing. And I'm just sitting there working and I'm doing this like I actually type. I don't. It's more like this. OK, <laughs> I'm real quick at that. OK, but none of that. Okay. And so I'm sitting there working. And all of a sudden what I felt here, I now felt here. But instead of one hand it was like both hands and it was going toward that television so i'm sitting there working and when i felt it i'm kind of like that's what and i look up and right when i look up there's this young boy that had this huge literally this about this big a cancer tumor on this boy's body and right when i looked up this thing went and just burst it was gross all right it was not the nice neat clean healing that most people want this was gross. It splattered. It was blood and goo all over him. It was bad, right? But it, he was healed. They go over, they cleaned him off. Perfect new skin. Everything was healed. And so now, but I'm feeling this. And right when this goes off, I'm sitting, I stop and look at that, and I'm like, whoa. And then I realize I'm feeling this. And I'm thinking, okay, when I felt that, that girl got healed. But this boy got healed a year ago. So surely this wasn't connected to him getting healed, right? And so I'm sitting there, I said, okay, God, what, what is that? And have you ever noticed when you ask God a question or Jesus, he did the same thing. You ask him a question, how's the he answer with a question every time, right? He never just answers straightforward. I mean, every time he answers with a question. So I said, what, what is this? What's going on? And he answered with the question and said, when you've been involved in life threatening situations, what happens when you talk about it? And I said, what's, I, I remember it. I remember it, I recall it, and I start to relive it. And the more detailed I get, the more I relive it. And I, my, my heartbeat will speed up, my breathing will get shallow. Why? Because I'm reliving that moment. And he said, that's what's happening. And I said, what? He said, the Holy Spirit is remembering when he healed that boy. What I was feeling was what he was remembering. Because while I'm sitting there, I'm not watching the video. I'm looking at my laptop. He's watching the video. Right. Because he's he's remembering this because he was there. Right. And then God started speaking to me and he started quoting that because now I want scripture. I'm like, okay, that sounds good, but I want scripture. And he started he started quoting Romans chapter eight, verse 11. I'd preached on this many, many times, but he started quoting it. He only quoted part of it, which was unusual. He says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you stop." And then he'd start over again. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, stop. And it was like on a loop. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and I started to get it. <clears throat> the spirit, because I wasn't even at that healing service, but the spirit that was in me, he was there. And whenever I started realizing that, I started realizing, you know what? Because we know this, but it doesn't hit us sometimes. We're not doing the healing. Jesus said he didn't even do the miracles. But the spirit of his father in him, he did the miracles, right? Wigglesworth never healed anybody. John Lake never healed anybody. If anybody ever got healed, it was the spirit of God that did it, right? Now, we may be carriers of that spirit, but there's never been a human that's healed anybody. It's always the spirit of God. So, you know, you get in that situation where you think, well, you know, I've never been in this situation before. I've never I don't know what to do. This is new. I don't I'm in a new situation. I've never been in this situation. I don't know what to do. That's okay, because you're not doing it anyway. The one that's actually going to do it, the one in you, he's done it. Matter of fact, if it's ever been done, he did it. Right. He, He wasn't there every now and then. If it's ever been done. He was the one that was there. He's been there every time. Every dead raising, the spirit in you was there. Every every deaf ear that was open, the spirit that's in you was the one that did it. He was there. Every blind eye open, the spirit in you did it. See, we don't have different spirits. There's one Holy Spirit. That's why we're all connected together. And I started realizing that. And once I realized that, it got so much easier because I realized, you know what? I don't have to know everything. Because the one in me, he does. I don't have to know exactly what to do or how to do it. The one in me, he knows exactly what to do. And all I have to do is take him there and release him and expect him to do his job. And when I do that, he works. Why? Because he's always ready. He's always on. I don't have to prime him. I don't have to stir him up. I don't have to do any of that stuff. All I got to do is be there and let him go, knowing that he will do the job. Amen. That's the spirit Peter had. That's the spirit we all have. So that spirit, I'll give you some more examples when we come back from break. But I'm going to go ahead and send you to break because I want to, uh, before I get in this next part, because it's going to take a little bit longer and I don't want to take your whole break. So take a quick break, but recognize the spirit in you is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead.